Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Next on the Platform podcast. Each week, I'm joined by an up-and-coming lifter to talk all things powerlifting. I want to quickly let you guys know about my coaching. I do some online beginner-to-intermediate level coaching. If you're interested, it is in the bio of my personal account. You're listening to Next on the Platform. Enjoy. The truth. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 17 of Next on the Platform. This week, I'm joined by Liam Warden. Uh, Liam is actually one of the lesser known lifters that I think deserves more attention. So I thought I'd bring him on this week. Uh, we do a bit of talking. Liam, how are you today, man? Uh, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. And, and I'll let you introduce yourself. I don't want to do that for you. All right. So I'm a 83 kilo lifter from Canada. I'm in my last year in the juniors. I'm currently scheduled to compete seven weeks today as we're filming on Saturday. And that will take place in an IPL affiliate. Perfect, man. So seven weeks out, um, I guess it's starting to get a little bit interesting. How I've seen some recent lifts from you, obviously crazy stuff. But how is training going right now? Uh, so this is going to be an exciting way to start the podcast. It's kind of taking a turn for the worse right now. I've kind of dealt with sciatica for a number of years right now, and right now it's really affecting my right leg. Like, as if you really dive into my lifts through Instagram or just what you've seen on uh, my story or whatever, you'll see, like, I'm super uneven. And, like, as soon as I'm in any position of knee or hip flexion, like, I get shooting pain through my leg and back. So anything off the ground on deadlifts has been incredibly painful. Kind of arching through a bench has been painful. Hitting depth on a squat's been painful. So this is probably going to be one of the most boring peaks I've ever done, but probably one of the most more smarter ones. I'm just going to dial it way back on the intensities. I'll take a single one I can, but the likelihood of this meet happening right now with the current state of everything is pretty low anyways. So if it gets canned, I'm probably not going to max out afterwards, but I'm not going to be going in. And here's the thing. I haven't put up a raw total in almost two years now, so anything's going to be a PR. Yeah, but besides that, not looking to do anything crazy. And do you think that like the sciatica? Because I know it could be a few causes, but do you think it's just like simple compression or training over a period of time is just fatigue has led to some injury, or did you actually hurt it? So it, it's a number of different things. Like first of all, it's genetic. So my mom has it too. Like that's where I get my anemia too. So um, it, it's so it's part. It's half to do with genetics, and then just like the constant strain of squatting as well. Yeah. Or deadlifting as well. Yeah. And um, so what physical pain just off the ground? And then you said like in the hole and stuff as well, obviously with flexion. Yeah. And right right now, like I can, when I wake up in the morning, I can barely do a body weight squat just because so, my, my leg's in so much pain. So it must take you a while to get going if you, if you, because um, I, I feel like I couldn't do a body weight squat when I got out of bed just because I'm a big fat dude. <laughs> you actually, it, it was so super tight in the morning and I assume your warm ups would take forever then if that's how you feel. Yeah, I'm warming up for like half an hour trying to loosen that up. Once, once I kind of get on the bar, I'm fine. It's, it's those early sets and those, those top sets, which are the issue. Mm. So warm ups yeah. generally feel pretty good for you and then it's sort of like, well, yeah, those first warm-ups, so like one red on the bar or just the bar itself, I'm not hitting depth just because it's it, it's too much. And then I kind of get in that 200, 300, uh, even like low 500-pound range, and I'm fine. It's just kind of like 550 and above. That's when it starts taking its toll. And so like, and are you seeing some for that, like a physio or anything? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm see, seeing a physio right now. I moved cities uh, fairly recently um, in 2020. So I had a great physio back in Victoria. I'm in Vancouver right now. So I've, I've got to find someone I can who understands powerlifting, which is not an easy thing to find. It's I don't know how the physios are in America, but in Australia, like, yeah, it, it's, you know, I'm lucky that my coach is a physio and a powerlifter. But other than that, you got to pretty much travel far and wide to find a uh, physical therapist that is actually well-versed in powerlifting. Like I know of my coach and one more that I would trust in my area, but I, I, you know, I don't really know anybody else. And it's sort of, you know, you go and see one and they say something that's just completely wrong about sport or, you know, lifting yeah, or something like that. And it's like, oh, well, you know, it's too late now because I'm already here and you've said something really stupid and you kind of just feel like, whatever else they say is just not true because, you know, they've said that one silly thing about, oh, powerlifting is this or that or whatever. And, and it's yeah, I've, I've just found like every physio I've had besides uh, the one I had in Victoria, who was great. Uh, every single one I've had, it's always been, and this was before I even started powerlifting as well, when I was doing like other sports in high school or whatever, it was always like, oh yeah, just, just rest it, just stop, mm -hmm. stop using it. And it's like, okay, well that's the easy answer you can give, but I actually, compete at high level in sports so i actually have to use this at some point like i yeah. can't just I'm, I'm deep in a season i can't take three months off to let this heal mm. and what about your coach are you do you have a coach or is it yourself so yeah i coached myself for the longest time uh last year i started working with noriega which was great it just with the exchange rate and everything um uh, i just couldn't afford it yeah. um, because it's like 175 usd which i think is like almost 240 canadian is that, uh, is that a month yeah per month so every four weeks so even though it was fantastic coaching and i feel like me and sean have a good relationship and i was making good progress i was like look man i just i want to come back eventually i just can't afford it right now so that's um, um yeah that's I, I would imagine like because you know i obviously the exchange rate from so i'm just trying to do the conversion in my head to australian dollars but that's you know that's a it's pretty it's pretty expensive. Like uh, it's some code, and obviously, you know, Sean has the right to charge that, and Joey and those. Oh yeah, things. but like um, it's definitely it's worth every yeah. penny. But yeah, yeah, I just I just couldn't pay it. Yeah. Uh, other than that, so you've been coaching yourself. How is that going for you? Because I I had Alan on, and uh, he coaches himself too, and so and it kind of surprises me because like I'm how old are you? I'm 22, almost 23. Okay, so you've got quite a bit more experience than me. But you know, I'm only 19, and I. Um, I wouldn't trust myself to coach myself just because I get like a, too attached to, you know, I'm, I'm on a Sunday night, I'm waiting for my coach to send through the program. I'm pretty attached to the numbers and, and what I'm going to do for the week. So I think, um, I don't think I would have the self-control to uh, coach myself. So like, how has that gone for you? And, and what sort of experiences do you, have you had during that time? It's, it's definitely a lot of trial and error. Like I found a lot of stuff that doesn't work. And I've also have had people guide me throughout the years. It's not like I just went in blind and I have a lot of coaching experience too. Like I started coaching, what year was it? Probably first quarter of 2013. Oh, wow. Uh, working in a boxing gym, I was coaching through there. So that was more like a, that was a different sport and I was personal training then too. So doing like a lot of the people I train now are just general PT. It's not necessarily coaching. Mm. And then I kind of took a year off after I graduated uh, high school to stop coaching for a bit, got back into it after a year. And by then I was deeper into powerlifting. So I was like, okay, I'll just 
research programs, just kind of just taking cookie cutter programs and just adapting them for what I found work. Like I found like in like just off the top of my head, Candido six week deadlift volume was way too low. So I would bump that up because I found I could handle more. Same with bench volume as well. I could handle way more than was on that program. Mm. and bump that up and then slowly just adapted to my own thing that i found that worked and then i started mm. coaching other people i guess that's a pretty good way to do it too like um i always i always say like you know don't do cookie cutter stuff but i think if you're uh trying to learn coaching or you just want to if you just don't want to pay for coaching i guess if you find those cheaper cookie cutter programs and then you can make the the decision, you know, oh, I need to reduce this, or I need to increase this, or, you know, I need to increase the frequency of this. It's like, yeah, that, that's a good way, because usually those those templates, they're, they're relatively good, and it's like a period of four, six weeks, whatever, um, mm. and usually, the obviously, the biggest issue with them is that it's not suited for you. But if you can adjust the volume, I mean, I can't really see anything wrong with it. If you can, you know, just find out what works for you and sort of just adapt to it, then uh, I guess that's a pretty cheap way. Yeah, it's, it's not that difficult. Like, I, I would not say, like, I would say don't run the same cookie cutter program twice in a sense. Like, if you're using, just most people I know who run cookie cutter programs are running Candido six week, which is fine. But after you do run it once, after that six weeks, say, okay, every single time, like, I was completely recovered for deadlifts. I feel like I can hit this at least one more time. So pick another day where you can throw deadlifts in hmm. or because I think on that program, you're only deadlifting once a week. Like it's very low deadlift frequency. And even just for technical practice, that's not good. Hmm. Um, I've, I've honestly never even laid my eyes on the, the program. And I think like every single person I've spoken to has even run it. Or yeah. Everyone, it. I feel like I'm the only one who hasn't seen it. Everyone I talk to, uh, in North America, at least, has run it. Yeah, I feel like it's 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 almost like a rite of passage when you like your first year of lifting. That's why I feel left out over here in Australia because like we're so far away and so like just not connected with stuff like that. But um, in the age of the internet, that seems so ridiculous. Yeah, I know. I just feel like yeah. you know watching the collegiate nationals and stuff. I was like, oh, I wish you know, I wish I could come watch, or wish I could come, or just at least have the option to come and watch. You know, just not even not even physically possible at the time right now. Um, oh yeah. I do actually, you know, as soon as borders open back up and stuff, I do want to come over, um, you know, just for a holiday and and definitely meet up with some of you guys and, and lift and that sort of thing. Um, but other than, so other than the cookie cutter stuff, what experiences have you had as a junior? Because I know you wanted to talk about that. And I know it's actually quite interesting. I've had some lots of different views and stuff. People have come straight into coaching. Some people have been coaching themselves the whole time. Uh, how, how did it look for you and, and looking back, would you, would you necessarily change anything? There isn't a lot I would change. Just like, like I, I, like I live my life and I don't have many regrets. I just like learn from mistakes I've made and I just try and pass it on to people I see who are in my situation, maybe three, four years ago. Um, but there's kind of two big ones I want to talk about. Definitely the first one I feel like is just from listening to some of your previous episodes, it's kind of beating a dead horse at this point, but definitely the weight class thing mm. is ridiculous for some people. And I, I can honestly say, I think I was the king of that because I came from a, a wrestling and martial arts background in high school, which had a huge weight cutting culture. Like I was cutting from almost like 150 down to like 130 at one point wow. to um, 
to compete. So when I started powerlifting, I was like, my the heaviest weight class I ever competed in for wrestling was 66 kilos. So I was like, oh, there's a 66 kilo class. I may as well cut that, keep cutting down to that. And I made that weight class easy. Like getting down to 66 was no problem for me. Um, but when I went to compete, I was like, oh my God, I feel like garbage because if I lost a bit of strength, that's fine. It's just, I, as long as my cardio wasn't affected, that's what I was worried about. Mm. So when it comes to all strength, I'm, and I'm dumping like 10, 15% of my maxes every time I compete, it just wasn't fun. So the first time I did that for my first year of competing so that when I started, I was a sub junior. So I did that for my first year. As soon as I moved to 74, I was like, oh my God, I'm never going back down to 66. And I had a huge strength influx and I uh, started to see like, oh yeah, like in a, in a year or two, like, yeah, maybe I'll start getting up to those, those top guys in the juniors. And then eventually I started seeing that like my progress was slowing down and I had to restrict more and more to what I was eating just to make sure I was kind of staying under like 175 or something to make like that 163 limit. And the biggest thing that changed me to think like, oh yeah, I definitely have to go up to 83 at some point was when I went to nationals and I was the third tallest guy in my, I was the third tallest guy in nationals in, in the 74s and not, and by a lot too, like, um, so I knew like, just like, because of how, like, I'm not that tall even I'm five, nine, which is still tall for the 83s as well. Like mm -hmm. I'm sitting here right now. Like I was making breakfast this morning i'm like i might have to go up to 205 at some point in the next like year or two well i mean yeah i, I think uh from memory most of the the 83s are like five six to five eight at the tallest so yeah like sean i think is five seven and russ i think is shorter mm. yeah the thing with sean is he said he's five seven and pete told me he's five six so i think there's a bit yeah of who knows that's a mystery <laughs> you'll never know um but yeah, so that, exactly, and the point I made with the weight classes thing, and and I do, honestly I think it could be spoken about forever because although you might think we say it a lot, there's still people doing it, and there's still people yeah. restricting themselves, and of course there are those top level guys. You know, I'm talking about Aiden and Alex and you and all the other guys that I've had on here. But um, as much as those guys obviously and you have the have the right to sort of because you're at that top level you can restrict yourself you can do this and that same with any other sport most people aren't you guys are like the two one percent at the top you guys are the strongest so it's like the rest of us um you know there's obviously people with great gen um potential and genetics and and are making their way to the top as well but you got most people have to realize like we aren't going to be that top one percent ever um, and I'm not trying to shoot anybody down. I'm not trying to say you can't do this, you can't do that. But it's like, be real with yourself. Um, you might be great in two or three years. So right now, why don't you just do what's best for you and like move up a class? And that's sort of the message I was trying to get across. And and uh, same with the nutrition thing. I think they go hand in hand because people will stay down in a weight class. And, and, and you know, nutrition is obviously a huge part of cutting and uh, staying at a light class. I just think, man, I just think move up a little bit, eat a little bit more, you'll get stronger, fill out your height. And obviously, like, I'm not talking about people who are super short. I mean, if you're, like you said, if you are 5'8 or over, it, you know, there's a pretty good chance you could fill out the 93s. I mean, and there was a comment on my post and he was like, you know, most people don't want to get fat. And I was like, I didn't even bother responding because it's like, you won't, if you do it right, and that's what I was saying, if you track your nutrition, if you're on top of your micros and your macros, you won't get fat. And if you follow the principles of hypertrophy, 
and nutrition, you'll be able to move up a class. You most likely won't get fat. Of course, there'll be some fat. You just have to take your time with it too. Some guys want to turbo bulk super fast. Mm -hmm. Like I know people who have done it, like just jumping up from like 180 to 240 within like six months. Mm. Like, Yeah, well, uh, that's something that I did and I regret going up so fast. You know, I'm I'm with the 110s now, but uh, I I jumped from 90 to 102 relatively you know four five months and i you know i thought i was doing the right thing and i am tall so it, um you know now i'm fine well you're but, young too you're still growing yeah. too your yeah. your bone structure is probably still gonna get bigger yeah well i i honest i've been getting like i've noticed i'm still getting taller so it's like yeah you know, I'm, I'm not gonna if i'm still getting taller i'm still gonna just eat up and get strong and you know one day maybe i'll be a national level competitor but until then i you know i have to just be real with myself and and just compete at what's fun and what's healthy for me. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of young guys who who probably think that they are, you know, like you know, Alex Sador's audience and stuff, and and people like that. It's like they all think that they're the next one of him, and it's like you know, I don't want to crush anybody's dreams. It's a great sport, and there's plenty. I, of people. I would say I would honestly see the opposite just from the people I train with. Really? They instead instead of saying like, "Oh, I want to stay down here because I'm going to get really good." They're scared to go up because they only think they're going to get like 1 or 2% stronger. Like oh, they're like, "Oh yeah, I like like look at all those guys in the 83. Like I'm not going to get that strong." Like I mean, dude, look um, at the difference between the 80s, the 83 and the 93s. Look at the difference between Keiko and Russ. I mean, yeah, like huge. It's, it's, and 83 to 93 is probably the smallest jump. I think 93, and I mean, I was listening to Two White Lights and they were talking about how close the 93s and the 105s are. I think the, that's, that jump in total is actually smaller than 83 to 93. But yeah, dude, Mm. if you look at the totals between, you know, like for example, Russ struggles benching 200 kilos, Keiko is 93 kilos and he benches like 240, 250. So it's like it's a huge jump, and obviously, not everybody's going to be like that. But if if you're scared because you think you can't handle a heavier weight, it's like everything's. Purple. But what what I was going to bring up those those same guys who say they want to stay light because mm-hmm. they're they think they're not going to get stronger. They come to me and they're like, "Oh, you like last time I saw it because I I lived in Vancouver. I moved away. I moved back." They're like, oh, yeah, we saw you a couple of years ago and you were stalling and now you're lifting these big weights. What happened? I'm like, well, I gained like 20 pounds. So, mm. like, how can you say both those things? They just contradict each other. Yeah, it's anecdotal and, like, people just won't yeah. believe what you say. And I guess, mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty logical. You get heavier, you probably get stronger. I mean, it's a pretty logical sequence and people don't really believe it. I don't know how. Um but yeah, I mean, there's like a whole lot of things. People are going to believe. At the end of the day, people are going to believe what they believe. And you can sort of, there are some people you could tell the same thing over and over again to, and they just won't listen. So it's like, yeah. I just try to give the best advice that I can give, have on people like you who can give great advice as well. And if people want to listen, fantastic. And, and try to not make the same mistakes that we did, uh, then awesome and fantastic but some people just don't listen and it's like whatever um everyone you know i I moved up a weight class too fast and now i have to backpedal to get over it so i mean it it happens to everybody yeah yeah i covered did i even say my second point i just realized no we just didn't talk about weight we went off okay so second one is so once you get over that weight the second thing 
everyone's just focusing about waiting on the bar and nothing else. It's it's literally when Sean said the abilities PR, I was like, oh my god, I've been saying this for years and no one's been listening to me. It's not just the it's not just the weight on the bar. I always say like it's like like see if you can like see like what's the heaviest thing you can move at like the allotted RPE. So it's like what's your like RPE like six single PR mm-hmm. or how like what's the fastest you've squatted five hundred like um or the longest pause on your chest or like try, trying to find a small win each day is huge for juniors because they need that constant reassurance that they're getting stronger and they only see that with weight on the bar because it's a sport that's measured by weight on the bar so they don't they don't think to measure anything other than that but once they start seeing like oh i've never like if they're filming and they're like wow i've never squatted 500 this fast or Mm. whatever it may be or i've never like paused this bench for this long like last time i hit it it was a touch and go that reassurance definitely will improve you in the long run and i think it's and that's the exact thing like i absolutely support that um but i think the bottom line is that people are living we're not living they're training for instagram um and i've said it before with overshooting and stuff but nobody really cares about your ability pr but i absolutely agree that is the best way to track progress and and you know like for example i um let's see i peaked a while ago and i did a six rep max on bench and it was 145 and and yesterday i took 140 for a set of six uh in my like my third week of volume so i know in my head if I was to run a six week, uh, six rep max peak with my coach, if we were to do a volume block, hit a six rep max, it would have absolutely gone up. So it's yeah. nice. It's nice to know, you know, although it's five kilos less for the same amount of reps, I know under different circumstances, maybe I could take 150 for six. So it's like, and that's the best way to do it. I mean, in the off season, more, you know, in the on season, if, if you have a good enough off season, right, and you go into your, on, your peak uh, prep or whatever, you know you're probably going to hit PRs if your off-season was great. So it's like, just trust yourself. Pay attention to what's going on in the off-season because, you know, I, I track all of my volume PRs and ability PRs in the off-season. Mm. So when I get to the end of it and I'm like, um, I'm tripling 10 kilos under my one rep max, I'm doing this and that, I know I'm going to be set up for a good prep. I'm confident. I have faith in myself. I'm backed by six months of volume and, and I've tracked. And because some people will like, uh, not really pay attention to their off season, so they go into their peak and they're like, "Oh, I wonder if I've progressed." It's like, no, you should know. You should yeah. know from how your off season was tracking if you were tracking it well enough, uh, even just mentally tracking it. You don't have to write stuff down, but just take notice of like, "Oh, you know, one forty is my last warm up is starting to feel lighter, or this or that." And it's like, and then you can have that confidence, and you don't need to train overshooting for Instagram because it's like you can reassure yourself rather than trying to get reassurance from other people. And that's why I think trying to get reassurance from other people is like one of the worst things in powerlifting. Yeah, I know. People don't care about your training. Like at the end of the day, they don't care. Yeah. And I mean, and, and if you live for that reassurance, uh, it can be, you know, like I used to do it. I used to worry about what people were going to say on Instagram. It's like, I just post for fun now. If you watch it, cool. Uh, I know what I'm doing. Like I'm happy with the way I, I train and that sort of thing. I don't really need anyone else to tell me um, that it's that it's cool or whatever. And, and you know, and I stay injury free and I don't overshoot. So it's like, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a big problem and I don't think it's ever going to go away because that's just how teenagers are. That's how social media is. It's the e- same even way. if you took Instagram away, it's still going to happen. I I have a 
client who never posts to Instagram unless it's a PR, maybe he posts three times a year. He still does it. Like, mm. he still wants to put more, more weight on the bar. And I mean, it's a great way to train. Like, if it's motivating for you, awesome. You know, I, 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 you know, I'll do a huge, like, a cool set. I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, like, this would be fun to post or whatever. But it, that's the afterthought. I mean, if you're going into a set thinking about Instagram or thinking about how people will react to this set, maybe... Oh, yeah, okay, I get what you mean, yeah. Maybe, like, maybe that's an issue. But if you're, like, once you have it, you're like, oh, this is great. Like, I'm, you know, proud of myself and I'll post it. That's cool. Like, I think that's fine. But I think it's, like, people will be, um, oh, what should I take tomorrow for my set of this? Or what should I do for this set? And it's, like, are you really going to, like if people respond with something, are you really going to listen to them or are you going to listen to yourself and your coach? Like really? Yeah. Don't, you... cr- don't crowdsource your weight selection. I mean, at the end of the day, there's, you know, I wouldn't trust anybody with my openness or my set for tomorrow. Cause it's like, dude, some people's opener attempts. I'm thinking, how are you taking that for an opener? And why are you taking yeah. that for an opener? It'll be like RP eight and a half, nine. And I'm like, fuck man. You want to like, in my opinion, you want to be at like a seven, seven and a half, just, especially on squats, you want to open pretty easy on squats. Like that's, and I'm no expert in that thing, but I think like for me, it's a big confidence thing. So you walk out, smash it, open a squat, you know, maybe go a bit heavier on your second. But I mean, some people open too heavy and train too heavy. And it's like, I mean, it'll, 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 um, come back to bite them. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that is quite interesting about your training is your bench. Um, and I wanted to talk about your bench because, uh, I have recently swapped in the direct opposite, uh, way of your technique. And I've tried to be more vertical with my arms and more of a soft touch. So I want to know, um, how you came about getting to where you are with your bench now and just essentially talk me through it. Cause it's quite an interesting uh, technique. Yeah. So I feel like other guys who have a big arch like I do will always do the opposite technique as what I do. They won't wear a belt. They'll touch soft and they'll try to internally rotate just like, just to get closer. Like when I'm arching, I try and arch as hard as I can. I'm driving hard with my legs, but I'm not trying to shake off every single inch because if I'm, if I'm internally rotating to try and get that bar an inch lower, like a lot of these big archers do, um, I'm just going to take it all in my shoulders and chest and I'm not going to be able to use my back at all to support any of the weight. And I'm going to hit like 20 kilos less. Mm. So I'm trying to externally rotate hard to use that lat ac- activation as hard as I can. And with, I don't know what it is, but the, the light touch just doesn't work for me. It's, I, I feel so weak and I just can't support that weight when it's barely touching me. Mm. So that that's where the belt comes in too, because when I'm squeezing hard into that belt and I'm bracing like you would in a squat or anything else, I, I feel like my core is rock solid. And when I hit that, even though I'm coming down hard, I feel so rock solid. And, um, and that press just feels incredibly easy for me when I'm in that position. So I don't think it's for everyone. I don't even cue my athletes like that or unless I see that it might help them, like maybe I'll take a thing or two from my own technique, but I find it is a very unique touch. Like you don't see many people doing a big arch with a hard touch. You think it's kind of counterintuitive, mm. but, uh, if I'm, I would, I would touch just as hard if I had no arch. And I, yeah, well, I mean, I, I recently went away from that, uh, external rotation of the, the arms and just sort of, went back to a more vertically stacked because I found that I was losing power off my chest the more I was externally rotated. Um, 
and I found that if I did a little bit more internal rotation, I could stack my elbows and wrists better and a bit more power. I could, for example, I would like, I wouldn't be able to grind out an RP10 uh, bench if I was like too um, externally rotated. So yeah. uh, I don't know what it was. That's just like my biomechanics and that sort of thing. But yeah, no, I definitely don't see a lot of people uh, hard touching a big arch. But I guess like, um, you, who ca- you know, it doesn't matter what your arch looks like when the bar finishes. Like once the bench is over, it doesn't matter where your arch is at. If you can yeah. use that arch to get to the touch, you can use the arch to get out of it. Because I would assume that you lost some of your arch once the bars left your chest and you're going back up. Yeah, if if I'm doing a set of six, I gotta reset about four, because yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna lose that arch. And if it's a and it's a single, like I'll maintain it as hard as I as much as I can because I do find that that chest up position does help me press a bit more. Yeah. Like I don't want to just lose and be pressing my lockout from a no arch position. But uh, if I lose a little bit, I don't care. Yeah, no, exactly. Like I've um just out of interest had a look at my arch before and my arch after I've touched my chest and like my starting arch is so much better than my where where my chest is when I finish. I like mm. lose most of it uh, out of the press and I guess that's probably not a good thing. But um yeah, I imagine a hard touch would really knock me around and sort of I definitely have I used to hard touch uh, and I used to bench with my f- heels off the ground and I was finding that I was just cramping too much and it just wasn't for me. So I swapped back and just. You know, although it like looked cooler and it felt cooler and that sort of thing, I just thought, oh, it's not for me and I'll swap back. And I think that's one of the things um, that I should have paid attention to earlier. It's like, I'm not Sean. I'm not you. I'm not the all these guys that can do a huge arch and, and um, maintain it. I'm just not that mobile, to be completely honest. And I wish I realized earlier because I'm going to have to bench with like a you know how or how most big dudes bench you just got a bench like with as much you know like a medium arch and just more um more reliant on on muscle mass i guess because simply because i'll Mm. have more of it and and the technique will come i i spent too much time trying to uh get a big arch and obviously if i could i would love to have a huge arch but it just yeah if you can do it go for it absolutely Mm. um and i try to hold as much as, as i can now but like yeah if i do a set of six it's pretty good for rep one and two and then five and six and you're barely arched anymore so it's like i just it's just not for me i can't i can't hold it so um and that's what I'm glad I realized when I did. And, and I actually, you know, a couple of weeks before my comp, I made some changes even further away from that big arch style and it helped me. So I sort of bench with an arch, but with my shoulders and arms, I'm pretending that I'm not in an arch. So if you can imagine like the cues that you would use for your bench, probably the opposite of what I would use for mine in, in terms of the shoulder yeah. and the arm position, but still the same cues, obviously driving the arch with the legs and, and that sort of thing. So I, I'm, I'm sort of trying to do a, a mix of the flat bench and the arch, if that makes sense. Yeah. And how do you sort of like maintain that? Because obviously uh, you'd be pretty mobile and it must feel pretty big because you bench quite often, yeah? Yeah, so this is gonna be another shocker. Like everyone is shocked when I told them this, but I actually bench six days a week right now, um, and that isn't obviously like all out every single day. Like that's just not sustainable. But it's that practice, it's that constant practice of going getting into that arch, is what maintains that. And that's six days a week, no variation either. So that's just wow. comp bench six days a week, and I kind of schedule it like a like a heavier day, light day, medium, and then I repeat that. So heavy, light, medium. And, so you can, it, 
And so this is every week. And how long have you been doing this for? I've been doing this maybe since like January. I've done it before in the past and it's worked well. Um, but yeah, those, those, those light days, if you want an example, like those heavy days, I'm taking singles, those light days. I'm, I guess that's the most variation I'm doing throughout the week. I'm doing like a really long pause. So maybe like a three or four count pause and it's pretty light. Like I'll even be doing reps at like three plates or maybe like under 70%. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think you would be the only, I think, um, Sean's dude, uh, Barrett, I think he benches maybe five or six days a week, but I don't think I've ever heard of anybody that can maintain that. Cause that's like a massive thing. Like after, and I think most people can probably handle three, four days. Yeah. So six. And that's the thing, I don't, I don't, I don't coach a single person six days a week because I, because I know they won't be able to handle it. Mm. Like I know, I know I can, and I can, uh, I can tweak it just well. Like if I find someone who I think would benefit from it, I would, but just at the moment I'm not coach. Like the most I'm coaching someone benching is four or five. Dude, I don't even train six days a week, <laughs> let alone <laughs> bench six days a week. Um, yeah. So you sort of, and you think that, um, just getting into that arch is the best way to do it. I know a lot of guys are always like, how do I arch and how do I Yeah, do ev- everyone asks me how I do it and it's just repetition. Like when I first started, I was completely flat back, close grip. Like that's just how I did push-ups. So that's how I grabbed the bar was as narrow as I could. Mm-hmm. And I I saw like these guys arching more. I'm like, hey, I think I can do that. I'm pretty flexible. Um, like I used to be able to do the full splits. Like don't try and get me to do that anymore. <laughs> but but uh, I knew I knew I could train myself to get into that flexible position through my spine. Mm. and yeah like it took me like three years to get to this point but um i was able to do it funny hell six days a week's crazy man yeah Um, one of the other things and uh, because we're talking about martial arts and stuff and for some reason i thought every person that i know who can fight always wants to talk about how they can fight and it's almost like a i don't want to use the word like superiority complex because that's like a big call but like is there within martial arts is there a th- is there a thing when you go outside of your like fighting community and that sort of thing and like just general pop pop uh population is there like a superiority complex where you're like oh i could beat up any one of these guys here is that like something that is happens within martial arts uh like like when you kind of enter like the real yeah. world like- so if, if it was like if someone like let's just say yeah you're example, you're someone- you're not like you're like here's the thing like laws exist like if if like you smoke someone on the street you're going to jail like and yeah. like no one's stupid like like you try and avoid situations like that mm-hmm. like if you see something if like if you like you're maybe less scared to walk down like a street with your buds like if you're leaving the bar at night but like you're you're not just gonna like talk smack to like Mm. whoever you want because like 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 here's the thing there there's rule there's rules in in like a ring or something but there's there's no rules on the streets like mm. like you don't know what they have i just always interested because i thought like because i know for a fact there's a big um superiority complex within powerlifting and i want to talk about yeah. that with you but i would just thought within boxing like uh within any martial arts like if i if i knew i could you know like i am not a fighter but i feel feel like that would probably get to my head a little bit just because I'm pretty, I'm already pretty outspoken. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe when you, maybe when you first start, like there's a lot of guys talking smack, but you learn really quickly not to. Like there's mm-hmm. always like the more experienced guys in your gym, and and like if you're talking smack, they're gonna like, um, like they'll whip you around, mm-hmm. and 
and, and that's nice but like jujitsu is the big one if and that's kind of the meme and powerlifting is because like you get hurt you go do jujitsu or yeah. whatever it is um th those guys will like like you'll see guys who work in tech with their little glasses they'll pull up on their moped and then they're just like absolute wizards on the mm. mat and they'll just smoke everybody yeah that's like, the thing. those guys those guys don't talk smack like, you can't yeah that's what i mean like the, the the guys that are really good at stuff usually keep their mouth closed i'm pretty like outspoken in public just like not not in relation to powerlifting or anything like but not outspoken but i won't hold back sort of thing i wasn't very liked in high school because i was pretty honest um so i feel like if i was a, if i could fight it would probably make me a bit too confident with my mouth uh it probably turned into a problem but one of the things uh, in powerlifting that I see is that superiority complex. And I want to be more specific. I want to say it's within the IPF. There's this feeling of superiority over other federations for, I don't know what reason, maybe because of the stiff bar and the drug testing. I want to know what your opinion is um, because personally, uh, although I do think the stiff bar is probably harder on average to use, mo like there are a lot of people who couldn't handle the whip of a deadlift bar and so i don't think it's easier for everybody i think it's easier for me and for some people uh, i don't think it's easier for everybody i don't think the squat bar is easier i think it's harder to use so i'm just wondering what you think it's come from um and where can where can we sort of find a medium where because i don't want it to be i don't want there to be like a superiority thing within the ipf i would like all federations to just get along and not be so much uh, politics and like trash talk between the feds. I want to know what you think it comes from. And I don't want yeah, to talk I, about how we I, think we could probably fix it. Yeah, I think it's completely unwarranted. Like in, and I, and I think in Canada, especially there's, uh, that's amplified because we have the CPU. That's kind of like the USAPL or, or the IPF affiliate. Mm. And that is the main fed. Like there's a bunch of other feds that, run meets that like who are kind of like the uspa or or other feds like that but like the main one is a cpu so that's where all the top guys go like if you're if you want to win meets and you want to and you want to be like the best lifter in the country like everyone knows like that's like the only especially if you're drug like drug free as well that's the only one you can go to if you like no no one's gonna like go to like any other like national level meet and like if you win that like they're they're gonna know you're not like nice. the champ like yeah. like oh. if you yeah so uh i've i've definitely seen it in canada and and i like my, my personal opinion like why i normally compete in the cpo cpu or the ipf affiliate is just because of the competition like if the other top 83s all said like that's it we're packing up and we're leaving i'm gonna leave too because i want to compete against them like i do not care like what equipment i'm using or if i'm weighing in 24 hours before or two hours before mm. and so yeah i mean like i guess because the ipf affiliates are the main federations there's this attitude of like we're better than everybody else and i'm not saying this is everyone this is only if like a group of people but it's like we all want the sport to grow and we all want to see um, more competition and that sort of thing. And of course there are some federations that I don't like, you know, like those uh, federations that's, you know, with the, the judging is just terrible. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like everyone's squatting high, especially the equipped federations and that sort of thing. So it's like, yeah, get rid of them. But I guess 
Um, I'm happy for like the USPA and in Australia, we have um, the Deadlift Bar Federation. That's what I call it. Uh, but I guess like, I'm just wondering why people in the, in the IPF think that they're above other people in other, in other federations, I guess, untested or not. I'm guess I'm just referring to feds that use the, uh, the deadlift bar. So USPA and that sort of thing. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we can pick one reason. I think they just see like goofy multiply videos and they think that's what every other federation is like. Mm. Like maybe they haven't, um, competed in it. Like I do have my, my, I have my beefs with like both sides of the, like the IPF versus non IPF debate. Um, but it, it like, I, I understand like, what those meets are like and just from the ones i've seen in canada like i've never seen like any goofy stuff go down like if anything i've seen like just as much goofy stuff go down and like the cpo cpu when it comes to judging or the the bet i think in canada there's like a meme about the bench pause or something being way too long but honestly like it, it really isn't like if anything it's it's just off like how hard do you touch your chest like it might be slightly longer if you think hmm you um have you ever had problems with the press call because like the way you bench i would imagine you could run into some trouble with getting a press call just because of the hard touch like not really it's just like if you're if you're wiggling on your chest like i've had meat directors explain it to me or other national level judges they're just like as long as you're not moving on your chest it's fine you'll get that like like there's guys who touch super light who are moving and they, oh, yeah, if they yeah. say movement, they're not going to give it. Yeah, just sort of like trying to hold it there, stabilize it without without um, it resting on the chest sort of thing. Yeah, once they see us motionless, you're going to get it pretty fast. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. And one of the things I think, I, I guess it's affiliated uh, with this problem is that obviously some of the federations, and particularly the deadlift bar federations, um, you can compete untested. So I guess it's like, oh, we're natural, so we're better than you guys because you guys are potentially unnatural. Um, what is your opinion on the like PEDs and especially in the youth because uh, whenever I see someone who I think, you know, like for example, Tristan Lee, uh, you know that guy? One of yeah, those, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like that dude, I don't know, he's like a couple of years younger than me and I, I think he was using when he was like 15 or 16. Of course, he didn't admit it, but it's like, that the, who you know the dude has his life set up now he's got a career out of you know yeah. social media and it's like awesome he probably have heaps of money and whatever but it's like what about his health man because you've seen you know how vascular he he is and and you know he said he's natural for a long time but he hangs out with bradley martin so that's a bit of a giveaway yeah <laughs> so you know that's not powerlifting but i know there are some young dudes who want to hop on um and then lie about it you know or the whole thing with gym yeah because I, I knew i knew tons of guys in high school who were using it and and i i still see guys tons of guys at the gym who are who are on gear and whatnot and that's they just look terrible like i don't know anyone on gear who actually looks good or is strong like mm. i like all the guys who are the the drug-free guys at my gym are stronger than like the undrug-free guys at the gym like there's like they think it's a magic pill and they're just not going to get anywhere with it. it. It's honestly more so of it's like your same logic with the um, staying in the weight class because you're going to, th you think you're going to be the next phenom. It's the exact same thing mm. in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, I have come across and I got to be pretty careful with what I say, but I have come across some guys who use and it's like, they barely bench what I bench. And I only bench, yeah. three, I only bench three reds. Um, 
but it's and these are like proper big dudes who take uh PED. so it's um it confuses me because it's like well if i can bench this and i'm natural and i'm a teenager and you're 20 something taking steroids um how are you so bad at this or that I like think- it's it's honestly something you have to earn in my opinion it's like you like if you're 200 pounds and you need like you need to hop on gear to bench four plates like that isn't like like if you're like 230 like that is not an unrealistic goal to hit four plates on bench and like even nowadays like hitting three plates in the gym under 200 pounds used to be so insane to hit like when i was 16 in the gym if you got a guy benching two plates it was you're like whoa look at the guy benching two plates and now it's like I like most people don't even bat an eye if like a guy under 180 is benching three plates because it's 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 just not an unrealistic goal anymore. Like more people know what they're doing and they're getting there faster. Yeah, but, I mean like especially yeah. with the rise of arching and stuff, we've seen like more and more young guys start arching and I I don't think it's cheating. I do think it's easier. I think it's easier for me. I don't think um that some of these big archers could do the same if they had a flat back and i'm and obviously i support it i'm not against it but just realistically i think it's it makes the press a little bit easier um and i think with the rise of that and obviously everyone's getting stronger together three plates is like the new two plates nobody really cares um if you bench three plates kind of thing and it's kind of more like you know, it used to be, oh, two is good, but three is super impressive. It's like three is impressive and four is super good. So we keep moving up a plate and it's like everyone's trying to bench as much as they possibly can. Um, and it's... Yeah, because even a couple of years ago when I, like, I, I hit three plates for the first time, I'm like, yeah, like four plates is like my lifetime goal. It doesn't even seem that unrealistic mm. to hit. And then I moved up to 83 and I hit it pretty fast. And now I'm like, yeah, like five plates sounds pretty good. Like it's mm. how how far off five plates are you? Well, my best of date is four fifty five, which is two hundred um, kilos. That's two oh six. Two hundred kilos is four forty. Okay, so two oh six and a half, I think, is the conversion. Wow, was that competition plates? No, that was on pounds. Okay, fucking hell, man. That's and do you think that you'll be able to hit it as an eighty three, or do you think you have to move up for that? Uh, I'll well, here's like I'll hit it faster if I move up. Yeah, of course. Like yeah. I, I, I 100% believe I can hit, I can bench 500 if I stay. Like, I it might take two or three years, but, um, yeah, depending how, like, depending how fast I can get to 205, like, mm-hmm. and still, and not just be fat, I'll, uh, like, I think I can hit it faster. That'd be pretty crazy, man. Because I don't know if there's, is there any 83s other than, um, Sean, maybe Brett Gibbs. Pr- hit 500 pounds was there is there many 83s who can actually venture owen as well in england oh yeah of course far out so only three men and and they'd be slightly older than you that'd be pretty crazy doing it as an 83 yeah like i i don't don't know who the youngest guy to bench 200 kilos is um in the 83s it honestly might be john hack but oh, yeah, I always, I always forget that he came from... I'm not, like, I'm not a historian sport. with this. No, <laughs> I hear people talk about John Hack, and I guess I got into the sport a little bit late. I hear people talking about like his natural days as like a as like an 83 or, you know, Jesse Norris yeah. as well. Like, I couldn't... If Jesse Norris walked past me, I wouldn't even be able to tell you. Like, I don't know the history with these guys, but I always hear about it, and I feel kind of stupid. Well, that was, that was my big kicker. Um for this year because they canned nationals in like CPU nationals for mm. in Canada. And that's why I'm signed up for, for a 
uh, like a deadlift bar meet mm. is just because they were around the same time. So I signed up for that one as a safety net, but I wanted to hit in my last junior year, I wanted to go to IPF worlds and hit eight thirteen at least because that was John, John hacks. hacks. Yeah, that was John hacks. It's still the junior total record in the IPF to this day. And that's yeah. what, and he won the open when he hit that and he broke any beat Brett Gibbs. So I thought like, Hitting like eight fifteen would have been like a sick way to end my juniors. I was listening to I think one of the recent Two White Lights episode, and they were talking about this because that's how I know about Norris and that sort of thing. I think what they were saying was that Taylor Atwood potentially would beat John Hack's eighty three record, and he would do it as a seventy four. Yeah, um, which would obviously be insane, like a whole weight class down. Uh, they were talking about how Atwood is sort of like the standard for men. Um, and so you're saying that you were going to try to beat Hack's record, uh, but Hack would have done it in the IPF. You're saying you wanted to do it on the in the deadlift bar federation. No, I wa- I wanted to go to IPF Worlds and and break his junior record. Oh right, so that would have been oh, so it would have been official. So what um, I want to know, like what you're at now, how far, how reasonable was an eight fifteen total for you at the time? Uh, by the end of the year, like I still think I'm going to hit it. Like if I can get into a meet on like a stiff bar. Um, like, I think I'll hit it at the end of the year. Like, hopefully we're like, we, my province just went back in the lockdown. That's why, um, that's why we're kind of mm. up in the air and whether or not I'm even going to be able to compete in seven weeks. Um, but we're supposed to have a provincial or like a Western Canadian meet in September, November. I want to do one of those and try and just like hit that rate at the end of the year to try and exit like with like even even if i have like i don't care if my name's on the record book like just like for myself i want to hit that dude if you if if there's anyone i want to be compared to it's john hack or taylor atwood like if, if you know lifetime goal if you're going to get compared to anybody it's going to be one of those guys yeah like i want you to go into open powerlifting do fully tested 83 and i want my name above john hack that would be absolutely insane dude what would yeah. you need for an 815 total I'm so far from that, I eight, couldn't even imagine what the list. Um, sorry, I don't want to go on my phone during this, but I need I need it no, for the. No, you're map. right, man. I would have needed but, it. But um, I'm doing them. Maybe you would need. Okay, if I if I squat two eighty five, bench two ten, and pull three twenty, that would be eight fifteen. Okay. Yeah. So, so the bench, I'm pretty close to that already. Yeah. Um, squat, I'm pretty close to. I haven't pulled on. I 320 on a deadlift bar is going to be tough. But or sorry, 320 on a stiff bar is going to be tough. Yeah. Like that will be the hardest one. But I've, I've 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 paused 307 on a stiff yeah. bar. Yeah. Yeah. So pr- relatively relatively close. Oh. That um. So we're talking six months from now. Potential lockdown intruding with your training. Um six months to break hacks record that would be crazy yeah and so that is obviously your last um goal as a junior and then you're going to move up to uh i don't know what the what what age is when you're not a junior anymore when you're so i think in the ipl or other federations is different but i know in the ipf it's january 1st of the year you turn 24 so i will be 23 in 2022 but i'll be turning 24 at some point uh so it'll be yeah. this is, so this is your last year as a yeah this is my last calendar year in the yeah. juniors okay so huge goal for this year 
Um, is there a specific, because obviously you're coaching yourself. So if let's say uh, Canada, let's say hypothetically COVID's gone rest of the year, uh, you, you want to hit that 8.15 total. Are you going to jump back on with a coach? Are you going to, it's because, you know, I would imagine we'll, that's we'll kind of see, we'll, we'll see how everything's going. Again, it is a financial issue um, with it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that like I can, I can do it myself. Like it would just kind of like if I, if I had Sean by my side, like I, I would, I wouldn't be worried. Like I would be confident we'd hit it. Hmm. Um, that would be, I guess that would make it even crazier if you break Hack's record and you do it without a coach. Cause I have, to yeah, without, watch. without Joey. I, so he had Joey at the time. Is that yeah. what it was? Okay. So how long ago? Well, he was mu- I think he must've, this was 2016. Oh, so it's not even that, well, it's not even that long ago. I didn't, that was, I was also, that was also the year I had my first meet too. That's yeah. how long ago it was. Yeah. So I wasn't even, I hadn't even been inside a gym in 2016. So this is why I don't know the stuff about Hack and, and yeah. all these guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, breaking his record without a coach, that would be a big, um, that would be a big feat, especially since the last, I can imagine year of your life has been pretty rough with training. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that would be, I mean, I guess let's say you, we didn't close down last year. Would you reckon you'd be pretty close to it right now? Like, would you Honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Like I only had three weeks off. Mm. And that's oh. just because of how long it took me to set up the home gym. And, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'll kind of back and forth between like a home gym and a natural gym just because I I, I need the machines again. Like mm. I like I I find like a lot of my training, like I need a lot of accessories. And I was like, oh, I can't really do accessories at home. Like I have a chin-up bar and I built my own like cable machine out of like boat pulleys and rope. But I found like it just wasn't enough. Like I needed like a leg press and like hamstring curls again. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're if you're the sort of guy who needs six days a week of bench volume, then you probably need machines uh, for yeah. other stuff. I can get away with training in the home gym because I just I'm the opposite of you in terms of volume, from what it sounds like. So I can go the whole off season without touching a leg extension, without touching a leg press, and still yeah. make gains. I mean, it'd be nice to have some more quad accessories, but like bottom line is I don't really need. You know, I have a pull down and that's it. So I can do bicep curls and some pull down stuff. Um, but as I can get away with that the whole year, it's, it's, um, it's both a best blessing and a curse because one, it's easy to do and I don't have to buy stuff. I don't have to travel to the gym and two, it's slightly less fun because I don't get to use the chest press. I don't get to use this and that and yeah, have, cause you know, that's the fun stuff. And I just like having the music and like seeing the people I know who I haven't yeah. seen in a year and whatnot. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that's going to be big for me is, because, you know, I've been training in the home gym for, for a year now, essentially. Um, I've trained in a gym for parts of it, half the week. But by the time I come out of the home gym, it's going to be almost a year and a half. So I think when I do come out of it and bounce back into a gym where there's an atmosphere, where there's better accessories, where there's more uh, motivation for, like, heavy singles and stuff, I think it's going to be a great way to um, kind of, like, build up potential i guess so that when i do get under these like you know because when i walk outside um i don't feel like training i'm just walking a few steps the, the drive to the gym hard. is the biggest thing they drive like, to the gym when you're blasting the music and yeah. yeah so it's like that and I, it's the whole atmosphere and and that's such a huge thing people underestimate it like people who've never trained in a home gym you are so lucky if you have a good powerlifting gym yeah like i i, I had my buddy coming over who i trained and like like we were like like shoot the shit and laugh and and 
like yell at each other to try and get hyped up and but it just wasn't the same like we still had g- great workouts but it just wasn't the same it's not the same and people always thought oh you're so lucky you have a home gym it's like yeah i spent my holiday money that got cancelled because of covid on a home yeah gym. so it's i'm you know it's not like i got, got it given to me i had to give away a holiday when covid happened um but yeah, it's not easy. Like it's hard to go in there and move, you know, because usually home gyms, at least my setup, I have to move shit out of the way to get it ready and this and that. And it's like get the music on, get the fans on. And so it's it's kind of annoying. As and as much as un, as ungrateful as I sound, it's kind of annoying to get it all going. Um, I'd love I'd yeah. love to just if there was a powerlifting gym close to me, I'd love to just drive there and walk in. It was already set up for me. You know, there's people around. It's hard training at home is hard. It's a whole different mentality. You have to go and attack it with, there's literally nobody watching me. Nobody, Yeah. you know, even if people don't care in a gym, it's still, they're still looking at you or, or helping you with this and that. So you go from sort of, oh yeah, there's people around. That's a bit extra motivation too. There is literally nobody here and there is nobody to help me if this bench crushes me and that sort of thing. So it's like, um, you sort of got to adapt. So I think when I do bounce back and when I do go to a gym, finally, it's going to be like a whole... Like, I'm going to feel like a whole different person. Um, yeah. Just because, like, it, when I do go to a gym, you know, when I'm getting ready for competitions, um, my sessions are always better when I go to the gym. And I notice it so much just because it's a different atmosphere. So, I think when I go back to work, you know, working out there full time in a good gym, it's going to be crazy. And yeah. Then- You're going to have that awakening. Like, that's thing. I didn't even notice, like, I was, like, having poor workouts until I went back to the gym. Yeah. And you, it's, like... You got, of course, you got to adapt to your environment and that sort of thing. But there are some things you just can't replace in a home gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of the things we had down was your opinion on PEDs. I know we spoke about it just before, but your opinion on um, young guys hopping on too early, and and because I know, like we said, uh, it sort of does. It sort of feels like cheating, but there are a lot of guys who hop on and don't do the work. Um, what about your opinion on young guys who hop on and do the work and do really, really well, but they're taking in like their teens, early twenties. Like, I think the risk just, again, it comes back to what I said earlier. You just got to earn it, man. Like you, you, you have so much, like if you're 18, like you're on steroids already, like naturally, like you got the, you're, you're still in that phase, man. Like, like how old are you? You're under 20, right? I'm 19. Yeah, so you're 19. You're you're coming coming to the end of it, but like you're you're still your body's still dumping testosterone into your system. It's it, you don't need more. Like the amount of progress you'll make will be insane. Like uh, e- even without it. Like like honestly, like I I see guys hop on at like 24, 25, and I still think that's too early. Mm. Like I think even like um um what's his name greg greg Doucette. like he he didn't hop on until he was in his 30s like allegedly to him like who knows but he um like he he waited he always talks about like how he is grateful that he waited mm. to to hop on like just build that base see what you can do like like that that like same thing when i moved up a weight class like i brought myself as much as i could do at 74 and i couldn't i couldn't put on uh I couldn't make progress anymore because I was just like holding myself back. So it's the same thing. Like take what you can do naturally as far as you can. If you're, if it's been two years since you've, if you're 28, 29, 30, and it's been two years since your last PR. Yeah. Maybe give it a go, Mm. but you gotta earn it first. You gotta put in the work. Yeah. The the one of the, the thing that stuck with me from someone that I I saw on Instagram, it was like, you want to, 
good decade of a base before you even consider it. Like you oh, want to yeah. have a good 10 years of proper training, not like the first two years where you're an idiot in the gym, 10 proper years of training. And this is more bodybuilding, but it applies to powerlifting. I would, I would say more. Like I have a, I have 10 years of training. Like I'm not ready. Like, well, yeah, I suppose, but I'll it, say it I ever would. But, yeah. Yeah. Let's say average, like 17 yeah. year old gets a 27, gets a close. I get what you mean, yeah. yeah. But exactly like you need to earn, like you said, and I think like, the whole thing with steroids, people look down their nose at people on steroids, but then they love like John Hack and Andy, I don't mm-hmm. know how to pronounce his last name. It's like, if you're going to take a stance and look down at someone because they're on steroids, like you, then how are you going to turn around and look up? They want people? you on steroids, but they want you to be good. Yeah. And I guess because yeah. like you sort of are cheating, like there's a whole, like you have stuff in your system that other people don't have. So I guess it's an element of cheating, but it's like people will, and this is what I see. People will talk so much shit. Oh, like that guy's taking steroids cause he doesn't compete in the IPF. And, um, I think he knows who I'm talking about, not you, but who he's listening. Um, it's like, Oh, that guy doesn't compete in the IPF. He, he must be on steroids, whatever. Um, and they sort of look down their nose at you and then they turn around and like, Oh, John hack, you know, like, and I love like John hacks a sick, dude. Yeah. but it's like, if you're going to talk shit about some younger dude, who's on set, who's potentially on steroids or not even, how can you turn around and then like, Oh, Oh, Garrett fear, you know, John hack, like blah, blah, blah. These guys who are also taking stuff. It's like, yeah, they're strong, but they're, yeah. they're just the same as the person who you just said and- was. And that's the thing. You're you're throwing around the word cheating. By definition, they are not. They're not breaking a rule. Oh, like I'll, yeah. I'll like that's the thing. Like you're like, oh yeah, don't look down. I'll look down on people who take steroids if you're doing it in a tested federation. Oh, of course, like, yeah, of course. Yeah, a hundred, hundred percent. I will not be cool with that. But if like, yeah, like you're you're by definition not cheating. Like if you're allowed to. I guess, yeah, cheating is the wrong word. I think yeah. yes, absolutely. If you were taking stuff to pass drug tests, and this is mm-hmm. another thing. People think that you can't be uh, taking stuff in a tested federation. Dude, it, I don't know personally, but I've been told by people that- Okay, Canadians people- have a personal one. Um, if you want to know like how yeah. easy it is to p- yeah, pass the please. drug test. So uh, um, I'm trying to think if I should name drop. Like Everyone in Canada is going to know who this is anyways. Um, if there's going to be any Canadians listening to if this. If you want to um, say it to me and I can bleep it out, I can do that. Uh, okay, he was he was the super heavyweight champ for the longest time from Canada. He pushed Ray Williams for the longest time. Like it was like Ray Jezza and this guy. Yeah. He uh, and then he kind of left disgracefully because in 2019 he won Canadian Nationals for like the eighth time in a row or however it wasn't that many times, but he won mm-hmm. Nationals for like the longest consecutive time. There was no one close to him. And he put up, like, a great total, and everyone's like, wow, like, he's going to push Ray this year. Um, passes his drug test. He's fine. Two, three weeks later, maybe even four weeks later, out of drug test, gets popped. And everything he got popped for had a very short half-life. And I'm not going to pretend to be, like, a doctor or pharmacologist and mm. talk, act like I understand what I'm talking about. But everything had a super short half-life, half-life like, all those compounds. And I've had a... Uh, explained to me and all of those could get out of his system within a week yeah i mean like people will think um, or to undetectable levels yeah so people think automatically if you if you compete tested that you're naturally and like um this is the thing with like lex little saying trying to prove he was natural because he took a drug test it's like how does that prove to us anything like yes it's a drug test but yes you can pass them and i'm not saying that he was 
you know, that's just one that I can think of. I'm not saying that he's a fake natty, but like, um, yeah. just because you pass a test, it doesn't mean you're natural. I want people to understand that like you can pass a drug test, you can take blockers, you can hop off, you can do this and that from what I've been told and you can pass a test. And it's like, people think if, um, that the people in the Olympics are natural. It's like, are you yeah. serious? These are the, the, the best athletes in the world. You think Bolt and all his teammates are natural and that sort of thing. It's like, <laughs> you know, people make those jokes. Oh, let's let them take whatever drugs well, they the, want. It's the Olympics. They've got to be natural, right? Oh, they have to be natural. But because, they have to be. Because there's an organization doing drug testing. So what? Dude, there's those memes about, oh, let's let them take whatever drugs they want. Let's see how high they can really ju- t- like jump. That's what we're doing right now. That's what you're already yeah. <laughs> watching. You're already watching them take whatever they want and jump as high as they want. I mean, dude, I guess if you allowed drugs in it, you could people would perform a little bit better because they wouldn't have to take all this other stuff. Yeah, like I, 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 I won't get too deep into it, but like I know like uh, Clarence Kennedy just put out that video on uh, how mm. he thinks like they should just say screw it and stop drug testing. Like, mm. like I, I'm, I'm, I'm against that too. Like I'm, like I. I don't think it should be encouraged. Like, mm, no, maybe I, in the, I don't yeah. think, I think because these guys in the Olympics, they are being looked after. Like, they're not choosing yeah. what they take. They're not even, probably not even regulating it. They would have someone doing every single thing for them. But the 17-year-old powerlifts are taking it is going to be doing it uh, probably alone in his bedroom yeah, with no, no guidance. Um, probably can't tell his, probably won't tell his parents. So maybe not enough. Oh, food. you would be shocked, man. I know people whose parents bought it for them. Well, I mean, that just sounds... That's definitely, like, a different... Dude, if I ever... Like, I would get kicked out of home. It, like, straight away. But, like... Yeah. um, I could do three hours just on those stories, but... Oh, absolutely, man. And it's, like... Yeah. The difference is is that you're not an Olympian who has someone looking after them. You're, like, a 17-year-old kid who probably doesn't know anything about it, probably won't go to the doctor to get their bloods done enough and that sort of thing. So, it's, like, yes, you might take the same thing, but you are not those people like you're not somebody else you have to like care about your health and that sort of thing but yeah yeah, like i don't think at this point with the technology that we have and like the drugs people can take i don't think passing a drug test drug test is simply good enough like no and there's obviously no other way to do it like you the drug test is really all we can do other than looking for obvious obvious signs of steroids um but like what else can you do you can't if they pass a drug test i guess you have to take take their you know yeah there's, no, there's nothing more you can do like I, I have my own suspicions and i'm i won't share them but, but well I, i'll like, share one like, of what, mine what what am i gonna do yeah go for it if you if you want to share one i'll I'm share one of mine i like personally and i have nothing against lex little i personally did really not, i did not think that he was natural right and i have nothing against the yeah dude. i've actually watched some of his youtube he's cool right so he takes the test he competes in the ipf and it says he's natural so I'm not going to start think, saying that he passed it. I think he stuff. I think he's. I don't know if he's. I don't. I think he's natural. But if you're talking about Lex Little, what the hell is this new uh, thing? Like more place, more dates is putting out. Like, do you know anything about this like turgesterone thing? Oh, this turkey stuff. Fucking whatever it's called. Yeah, I haven't it's done like a time. Isn't only, it? I haven't had time. But like, I've heard him. I like you can pin the video like you can find the exact clips yeah. out of his mouth he said it it's natural and it's as powerful as d-ball so i have no idea <laughs> so i have no idea what he's talking about and and when lex got his drug test he was taking that into that meet and he's like look i passed i'm like okay well you passed but like is this thing if this thing gets banned in six months did you really pass 
Yeah, so I have heard about that, and I because like yeah. Gorilla Mind makes it because Gorilla Mind is like more plates, more dates, whatever. Yeah, like I don't know if you have like insight on this because like I just have not researched it. I haven't had the time. I want to do a deep dive on it. I wish I did it before this video, but um, it's, well, uh, well, no, that's the thing. Like I because like for example. Gym Shark, right? You have to assume mm. all of them, most of them taking stuff, right? Psalms, whatever it is. Yeah. I think the thing with Dylan McKenna, because he was the one of the first ones to admit that he was taking steroids. Oh, right? yeah. Obviously, Steve and KO, those guys, they, they were bodybuilders, right? So from that era, let's, let's talk that David Laid era, right? Dylan, David, both natural, obviously not. Uh, they And then Gym Shark says, okay, Dylan, you can tell people you're natural. This is my prediction. That Gym Shark says, okay, Dylan, fine. Tell people that you're taking stuff, right? Dylan tells people he's taking stuff. Everybody thinks, oh, so they are allowed to talk about steroids, right? Because you would have to assume they... they oh, I see what you mean. It was like... Um, it was like a... Damage oh, control. Yeah, so it's like, okay, yeah. if we let one guy say he can take steroids... Dylan was so obvious too. Oh, like, I mean, and yeah. what are the chances David was natural back in his prime? Like, Oh, 0% chance. Dude, those guys... And if you look at David now, like he's still got crazy genetics, even with his injuries yeah. and stuff. So yeah, obviously great genetics. But dude, those guys were like 16 years old and they look like literally like Olympians. So it's like yeah. Psalms, whatever it was. But I think the thing with Gymshark is what they did was they said, Dylan, tell them you're on steroids. That gives off the, uh, that implies that everybody can say they're on steroids. However, the rest of them weren't allowed to say, but just the fact that Dylan said it makes it seem like everybody is That's allowed. an interesting theory. I haven't heard that yet, but that makes sense. Well, I haven't. That's just something that I thought of. It's like, if, if I was, I put myself in their heads, like if I was Gymshark and, and, and the stigma was that all of my athletes were fake natties, I would probably say, I would probably let a couple of them say that they take steroids, right? The obvious one. Obviously, Dylan was taking it. Everybody knew. Like, J James English now is open about it too. Well, isn't he dropped from Gymshark? Oh, yeah, he was. So oh, no, like, I'm not up to date with anything. I think he got dropped from Gymshark because he started his own brand or something like that, or he, like, ended up leaving. But it's like, he was obviously taking while yeah. he was on Gymshark as well. So, you know, because... Oh, yeah. And I think Again, was, I you, think can, was... you can find this back... You can find this clip too, but he was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm not... I'm natural, but I'm on growth hormone or some shit, like... You can find that clip of him saying it. Yeah, so it's like... Yeah. I think it's... And I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but I think it was a bit of a trick to let a couple of them say, hey, like, we're taking stuff. Yeah. Um, and then it gives off the, uh, you know, the illusion that the rest of them can talk about it, so they must be natural. But I think it was a bit of a uh, a bit of a plan that they came up with. I mean, that's my theory. That could be false. That could be whatever. But I just some of the guys on Gymshark, it's like, why do you even like? Do you take us for idiots? Like, do you really think we're that stupid? Yeah, I I honestly find the fact that like none of them, ever, even though like look how strong they were as teenagers, like none of them did a powerlifting meet at all, even though they would have like smashed it. But the funny thing is that would have been the, their undoing because if they. Did a deadlift bar federation? They would have said, "Oh, have you're known. doing an untested. Yeah, you must." Exactly. And then, but they couldn't have done an IPF one because they would have caught. Well, they, yeah, they would have gotten caught. And honestly, it's like not the shit on them too much, but they're. I I honestly, and like I'm not trying to sound too high and mighty here, but like I honestly like like yeah, I looked up the like date like when I was yeah like, me too. High, like David was like the big guy like he, yeah. he was like so, like me and David are the same age. So I was like, whoa, there's this guy my age, like benching 390 and, 
and deadlifting 675 on a, on a or I think at the time he was like deadlifting like 570 on a stiff bar or whatever and he squats 465 or whatever but I look at it now and I'm like he he hasn't gotten any stronger really and I know he's had some injuries but like yeah. I'm 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 repping like for a lot what like I thought was impressive like way mm. back then like my my other theory with David and and I, this isn't a, this isn't an original theory it's that like um, for whatever reason, he decided to hop off a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, then yeah, I've thought I've thought that too. Like I'm not gonna, yeah, like I'm 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 not gonna say things like that because I'm not like I'm not a pharmacologist. I don't know how much of a hit your strength is gonna take off that, yeah. and like, or if he if he was injured and he had to hop off, like I know mm. that's a thing too. So. Either he was injured and had to hop off, or he wanted to hop off so said he was injured just so it seemed more yeah believable i don't know at the end of the day like there's, what is... th- there's theories in that like i don't know if you know who like Co- uh kobe covington is there's a big like conspiracy theory um why he had like why he couldn't fight for the ufc belt mm. like same thing yeah exact same thing so it's like you know at the end of the day we'll never really know and yeah. there's not really much i can do to prove it but like in my opinion like the gym shark thing was a, a bit of a th- play with dylan um and then even david like you know whether they were just taking psalms and then dylan started taking actual steroids when he started bodybuilding whatever but i think you'd be pretty naive to believe just based off a you know because if this turkey stone whatever it is thing is coming out and apparently it's turkey stone (laughs) whatever it's called yeah but like if get someone just... get someone on here who can actually explain it because mm. I need someone to sum this up in about an hour and a half. And if they think it's like actually as powerful as they think, like you can't say like oh it's natural and it's as powerful as D ball. Like I mm. I won't accept that answer. Like it's it's either he's either like hyping well he's it up trying to sell, sell it, something he's gonna try to sell it. It's good because that's the thing if it's a new substance it's gonna get banned. Like yeah. any new steroid will get banned. Like yeah. if if they just produce like a new version. Well, they, uh, like, uh, the whole thing with, like, um, you can't be charged with something that you did in the past when it was legal. So, I don't think they're going to go back and take... Um, no, they're not going to DQ Lex. No, they're not. Because of something he did a year ago. But I'm just saying it's 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 a, a funny... Because you were you started with saying that you think Lex Lex is not natty. Well, so, I'm saying, like, it's it's... It's gonna be interesting if he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm natty," but it's like, "Well, you were taking this thing that is now banned." Yeah, like, I mean, look at his. I mean, like, look at his legs. Like, I'm no yeah. expert, and you know, on what's uh, you know achievable naturally, but just it's a, his legs, man. Like, <laughs> like if, if, he, if he is genetically superior, like from what I see with his strength, and like just comparing him to me, like we're about the same height, about the same weight, and I'm way stronger than him. So like, yeah. It, yeah, it's not, so. it's not, I think he's a year younger than me or something. Like he's, it, it's not like he's, he's insanely strong. He's not a phenom. Like there's like, there's like so many of the guys who are like 18 you've had on this podcast are way stronger than him. Yeah. Like that's the same body weight. Like he's exactly. not a strength phenom. He, you're not looking at him. He's not that Anthony kid who's uh like Man, already yeah. a pro at like 18 or something. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that guy. Like he, like he's he's not like his physique isn't like a genetic phenom. No. Like he, he's he's really good. I'm not saying he's average, but he's not he's not like super impressive like in any sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that's just the whole thing. If he wasn't on Gymshark, I probably wouldn't even question it. Yeah, and I think it's, it's the whole thing with Gymshark. It just gives them a bad rep. Like, yeah. yeah, it's a career, and you get paid a salary or whatever. But 
in the eyes of everybody else you're automatically like there was that video when Greg Doucette called him out um, Lex was made that video where he's like emotional and he was talking about he was just like sitting in the park talking about how how can I possibly prove to you guys that I'm natural like um, Greg Doucette said I'm a fake natty so like everybody thinks I am now um, I can't do anything more than a drug test and he's like that's if, if he's natural I genuinely feel bad for him because Greg's yeah. got people like me tricked into thinking that he's a fake natty but um you know, like honestly, before anyone made a video on him, I was like, "Yeah, this kid's legs are huge," but I think he's he's potentially natural. Like, I yeah. wouldn't be shocked if he isn't. But like, it's just that like Turk stuff that I'm like, "What is this?" Like, I'm I've just been like fascinated by it for a while. I just like haven't like had the interest to like really like do a deep dive on it yet. Yeah, I should do my research as well before I go and say anything. But that's I need I need like a chemist to explain it to me. Like, yeah, <laughs> I need, we need we need Greg to make a full video on what the hell it is and talk about it. Um, yeah. And, and before we make any big calls. Um, but yeah, so we're pretty much almost time to wrap up, man. I, um, I want to know before we wrap up about, uh, your coaching. So, um, you've been coaching for a while now. Do you have plans to potentially just be a coach in the future? Are you studying? What's the plan? Yeah, I'm at, I'm at the point, like I, I make decent money from it per month. Um, like I have a steady base. I, I'm not at the point where I can like have a hundred percent, like I still work day jobs as well. Like I can't make a hundred percent of my income just off coaching. I would love to get to that point um, and get to that kind of like Sean Joey level. I know it's years from now, just with like learning the knowledge and building that base and the reputation in the community. Like I'm not trying to rush it or anything like that. Um, but yeah, like I would, I would love to just, just do that full time. Mm, well, you and me both, both, man. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll wrap it up, man. Thanks for coming on. I wish you the best. Yeah, of glad to be on. Um, I'm happy to be on anytime in the yeah. future. Maybe after um, your meet, we can have you back on. We'll talk about how, when, and that sort of thing. You can run me through it. Uh, best of luck over the next seven weeks. I'll definitely talk to you before your competition. But yeah, good luck, man. And and hopefully that sciatica clears up for you, and you can have a bit of a more fun with. Yeah, I'll I'll do my best, but it's just a it's just a we're just running the clock at the moment. Like we're yeah. just running out of time. Exactly. So we'll man. see what we can do. Well, thanks for thanks very much for coming on and enjoy the rest of your day, man. Yeah, happy to be on, man. Anytime. Take thanks, care, brother. See ya.